The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome. Disability Law Show. Good to have you along for another edition of, uh, of course, John Scholes here and co-founding partner Savan Tamarkin and partner Albert Klein joining us on the show today, reaching out anytime you would like to the guys and their uh, respective teams. No problem. Toll free, of course, one 855 is the website. Put help at in front of that. And there you got a nice email to use anytime you want to ask some questions. There's also the website that is free. An anonymous called MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Savan and newly minted, well, last few weeks anyway, uh, LTDFAQ.ca. LTDFAQ.ca. And you know exactly what that is. It's uh, FAQs about LTD. You can go there anytime and have a look and learn more there as well. But we get started, pal. How are you this morning? Or today, anyway. How are you? Good, good, uh, John. And I'm glad we have Albert here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you mentioned that website, ltdfaq.ca. So that website has been accessed now thousands of times since we launched it. And really, it's a, it's a free website to anyone that has any questions about long-term disability. Uh, you can go on there. We prepared these little short memos about different topics, IMEs, doctor reports, what happens when you have a difficult adjuster dealing with your LTD claim, CPP disability, what, what if your insurance company asks you to apply, Uh, common reasons for denial of LTD claims, surveillance issues, returning to work, those kinds of things. We get those kinds of questions from across the country from individuals who listen to our programs, watch our TV show, uh, and just generally, you know, people who have questions about long-term disability. And these memos are prepared for the regular people out there, not for lawyers, not for law students, not for professors, not for judges. It's for everyone out there. So there's not going to be any legal speak in there. Uh, it's just going to be plain language explaining sort of the answers to the most common questions. So I really urge people uh, you know, to, to go there if they have any questions whatsoever about long-term disability, ltdfaq.ca, John. There you go. Again, ltdfaq.ca, the phone number 1-855-821-5900. Use it to reach out anytime. Have more of a lengthy conversation with uh, Savan or Albert or a member of their team. So what, uh, what do we, I know we got so much to get through on the show yeah. today, guys. <laughs> who's, uh, who's going first? Savan, how about you? Let me start here, and uh, yeah. I'll give you my thoughts about this after I read this, and uh, let's get Albert's thoughts as well. It's a very interesting scenario. So this is an email I received last week uh, from a lady. Uh, who wrote the following. I'm going to summarize it. It's pretty long. But she writes, I've been on LTD because of anxiety and depression for almost two years. I found out that my husband of 20 years had a hidden daily cocaine habit uh, that that he's hidden from me for several years. Went through a divorce. Um, Next guy I dated overdosed in my living room, which sent me down a further spiral. Then COVID hit. And on and on and on. I'm going to go down the email here, and here's what she writes. I was informed approximately six months ago that after two years of being on long-term disability, my claim will end. I was told that after two years, my doctor needs to agree that I'm not capable of doing any job, any occupation, and if that's not the case, then my LTD payments will end. My doctor is in agreement that I will never return to my previous job as a business systems analyst. I lack the concentration and ability to handle high stress load. My anxiety is just too much for that job. While I did apply for several jobs in my field, when I got to the interview stage, I had full-blown panic attacks. So I reached out to the insurance company a few months ago and I asked for some support in retraining. 
They said that it's not something that they support, but they told me I could attend retraining if I funded it myself. So in June, I spent $16,000 for school and started retraining as a hairstylist. My program is set to end in March of next year, while the insurance said that I will be cut off LTD payments this coming November 5th. While I believe that I'm doing everything in my power to find suitable work, I have concerns regarding re-entering the workforce. I've been relatively successful at school, but I have not proven my ability for a successful return to work. Here's the question. Is there anything I can do to continue to get my insurance claim extended mm -hmm. through to the end of my schooling, job search, and gradual return to work? I do not believe that the insurance company knows I will be laid off once my insurance claim ends. So a, a very long email here. She gave me the name of the insurance company as well, which we're not going to mention. Very interesting scenario. Here you have somebody who's clearly disabled. The doctor confirmed she's disabled. She's had this horrible history uh, with the previous husband uh, having a cocaine habit, uh, another another person overdosing, etc. This lady is trying to get back on her feet. She spent 16 k which she probably doesn't wow. have, probably had to get a loan for, to get retrained into a completely different profession. And here the insurance company is saying, your benefits will end at the two-year mark. No ifs and buts about it. So let's go back to basics here. Her question is, can the insurance company cut me off or what can I do to get them to continue paying me? Look, to get LTD for the first two years, you have to demonstrate that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. That's fine. That's what's happened here. That's what the insurance company has done. They've paid her or they're going to pay her for two years. Where they disagree or where I disagree with the insurance company is that the insurance company is saying, uh, we're going to be ignoring essentially what the doctor is saying here. We're going to cut you off at the two-year mark. And here's the thing. The, the doctor says she's not ready to go back to work. She doesn't even know if she'll be able in March when her program, you know, her hair, hairstylist program uh, uh, actually completes. She doesn't know if she'll be able to or, or will be ready to go back. As long as the doctors are saying, her treating doctors are saying, and she's not ready to go back to any occupation for which she's suited for by training, education, or experience at that two-year mark, mm. which is coming up in November, the insurance company must continue to pay her. They can't simply say, we hope, you know, you've retrained, by the way, at her own expense, we hope that you are going to be ready to go back at some point, but we don't really care about the timeline here. We're going to cut you off in, two, in, in a few weeks at that two-year mark. I think that's inappropriate. I think that she can go after them. I think that she will be successful going after them. I think this lady has tremendous credibility, given the fact that she's now tried to you know, retrain and spend so much money on a different program. By the way, many people don't even do that. Uh, so to me, it's a clear-cut case of the insurance company doing what they're not supposed to do, which is cut you off arbitrarily, irrespective of what the doctors are saying. I think she has a very good case, and I told her that, and I hope that she proceeds forward with it. By the way, we don't even know, even in March, when her program completes, if she'll be ready to go back. Remember, she's dealing with mental health issues. It's not a physical type of an impairment. These kinds of issues, mental health issues, they generally transcend the type of work that you do. Because if you're depressed or anxious one day in a particular type of job, it's not that likely that you're not going to be depressed and anxious if you do a different kind of job. I mean, maybe. But not necessarily. And she doesn't know and her doctors don't know. And for the insurance company to tell her, no matter what, we're cutting you off this November in a few weeks, that's completely wrong. Yeah. Albert, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, I, I always take issue similar to you when anytime an insurance company very, very far in advance 
is saying, we know exactly how you're going to be in November. We know exactly how you're going to be in the future. Essentially what they're saying is there's no amount of treatment that can change your condition. Your condition isn't going to change. And we've decided that you're capable of doing some other type of work. A, how do they even decide that you're capable of doing some other type of work? Have they had you functionally tested? And, I mean, in, in this instance here, uh, you, you, you've cited that you lack the concentration and ability to ha- handle high-stress loads, and that's probably going to exist in many, many jobs that you're going to be doing. It's probably going to be stressful while you're trying to find work as a hairdresser. It's probably been stressful even to go through the, go through the courses. And, I mean, I... I I think it always puts themselves in a very bad position anytime the insurance company is trying to look into the future, look into their magic eight ball, and just all of a sudden make a determination months in advance or sometimes years in advance that someone's going to be better and able to work or not meeting the actual test for definition or test for disability, sorry. So, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think uh, the insurance company is completely off base here, and there's there's no way that they should get away with it. John, I want to pick up on something Albert said here, sure. which is which is the fact that insurance companies often uh, tell you that they're going to cut you off in advance. In this yep. case, they're giving her several months' notice. I was speaking yesterday to one of our lawyers in our BC office uh, who has an interesting mental health type of a case as well with LTD. A similar type of circumstance in terms of the fact that the insurance company in that case also specifically said to this lady that you know, in seven seven months from, actually eight months from now, in fact, uh, we're going to uh, uh, stop your benefits because you're reaching the, uh, the, the two-year mark. And we believe that at that point, you'll be ready to go back to work. Completely <laughs> insane to say that. She's suffering from mental health issues, which go back years, have been exacerbated because of various issues. She has a psychologist. She has a family doctor. She has, uh, I think, another person that's treating her. Uh, and everyone is saying, no, this is long-term. This is not going to magically disappear for her uh, in about eight months from now. And yet the insurance company is saying, nope, we are going to do that. You know, to me, that's bad faith. And what people need to understand is that they don't have to wait until, you know, that, that time when the insurance company stops paying you. So, you know, we were talking about this and the lawyer that I was speaking with, we were chatting about the idea of starting a legal claim now against the insurance company, sure. you know, because really what's the urgency, so to speak? That's what the individual is saying, because from the person's standpoint, right, the, the regular person, I have eight months still to go on LTD. Maybe I can convince the insurance company not to cut me off. So when we were chatting, me and, uh, the, you know, the lawyer in our office there, I said, you know, this reminds me of, of this joke, not that this is funny, but it reminds me of this uh, joke that somebody once told me about a person who falls off of a 30-story uh, a, a building, and every floor that, that he passes, he thinks to himself, so far, so good. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going you're gonna to fall splat, like the insurance company will cut you off. So as soon as they tell you that they're going to cut you off, whether it's in a week or a month or six months or a year, and you know that you are not going to be ready or you have this sense that you're not going to be ready and your doctors confirm that this is more of a long-term thing and you're not going to magically get better uh, and be able to work, you have the ability and, and, and frankly, I think you should take action now against the insurance company because if we take action now and they're cutting you off eight months from now, we may be able to resolve the situation before you're out of money. You know, and that's the key here. You have to be proactive. If you're not, you're going to find yourself in a situation where, you know, you're playing catch up 
uh, you, you have bills to pay, you have no money coming in, and then we have to really, really, you know, get on this to try and get the insurance company to pay you. Whereas if they're telling you in advance and we act now, we can hopefully ensure that, you know, you're not left without any money coming in. Got to take a short break, guys, but to reach out to Savannah Alberts uh, confidentially any time, uh, you can do so. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number, there you go, one 821 5900 you can go to disabilityrights.ca to find links to our uh, long-running tv show as well and get the advice you need compensation you deserve you're paying for right from the firm that has successfully helped tens of thousands of canadians ontario and bc and alberta respectively so do that anytime you would like we'll continue lots more uh, to go here disability law show you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along. You want to reach out to Savan Tamarkin, co-founding partner or partner Albert Klein as well. You can uh, you can do so by the phone call. Really simple. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. There's also help at disabilityrights.ca, and we also read content from mydisabilityquestions.com. And we're going to do that right now. This one from Christine writes in says, "Hey guys, I've been on leave from my job for sixteen months due to a major depressive disorder and general anxiety." My benefits company has decided it's time for a rehabilitation program that includes work hardening and a gradual back-to-work plan on-site. My doctor has advised against my returning on-site at this time due to my increased anxiety and agoraphobia, and my employer says working from home during the gradual return is not an option. My benefits company has stated that if I don't comply with the rehabilitation program, as they've outlined, I will lose my benefits. This is causing me extreme distress because I know I'm not ready to go back to work, but I also can't afford to lose my benefits. I honestly don't know if I'll ever be ready to go back to the particular job I'm on leave from due to the amount of stress it causes me. And I've been told there is no possibility of alternative employment with my current employer. I've been with the company since 2015, and this is my second leave. The first one was in 2018 for three months on the same condition. If my doctor agrees that quitting this job is my best is in my best interest, would there be any repercussions? And would EI benefits be an option given the amount of time I've been on leave? Are there any other options I'm not aware of? It's a little stressful, that one from Christine. All right. Well, thank you, Christine. Thank you for emailing in. Uh, lots to unpack here. I mean, I'll, I'll directly answer your questions uh, right away. And then, I mean, there's lots to discuss in what you've written. But so you've asked, are there any repercussions if uh, your doctor agrees that quitting your job is in your best interest? I mean, I generally take the uh, mentality and I'm not, a, I'm not an employment lawyer, but as, as you know, our firm does a lot of disability claims and we do a lot of employment claims. And often there's a bit of a crossover, and it's very, very important that you do the right thing to maximize and maintain both of those claims to whatever extent possible. And in your case, I just don't really see any benefit that you get from quitting your job. I think if you do quit your job, it gives the insurance company, your long-term disability insurance company, a little bit of ammunition to potentially say that you shouldn't have quit your job and now that's the motivation for you not being able to participate any in any work hardening program when really the case is you can't participate in this work hardening program or you can't do any sort of gradual return to work 
because you have anxiety, because you have agoraphobia, and because your condition is so severe. So you don't want to mix those two things up. Secondly, if you quit, you don't get any severance. You don't get any money. You're, you're just resigning, and you, and you lose a lot of the benefits that you would otherwise have. I don't know if you, if you have extended health benefits, anything like that. So I just don't really see what you benefit from in terms of actually quitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I mean, in terms of in terms of repercussions, if if you were to receive any sort of EI sickness benefits or or long term EI benefits. That's usually a credit to the to the long-term disability insurance company, meaning that any other money that you do receive, if you receive severance, if you receive uh, employment insurance benefits, usually that actually reduces what the insurance company owes you. I mean, I, it seems like you're trying to look a little bit ahead and you're trying to think, how am I going to put food on the table if I'm unable to do this gradual return to work program and they cut me off? I mean, first things first, they absolutely should not be cutting you off. Uh, it's very clear your doctor's supportive. It's very clear that you, you have this intense anxiety, you have agoraphobia, and that you absolutely should not be at this time participating in andru- any gradual return to work. So, I mean, I would get your doctors, as many doctors as you can, to really support that and outline why it is that you can't participate in any gradual return to work. But... But, sec- but secondly, secondly, you want you want to make sure that if you are actually uh, if you are actually considering not participating in this gradual return to work, and that means that they may cut you off, that you want to have a bit of a safety net. And it sounds like that's what you're trying to do. So, other funds that you might want to try to apply to are CBP disability, for example. I know you're in Ontario, so you could apply for the Ontario Disability Support Program. And basically, that's what I would do. I would apply to as many funds as you can right now to kind of get ahead of this so that if they do cut you off, hopefully you do have some money coming in in the meantime. And also get as many doctors as you can right now to explicitly state that you should not be participating in this gradual return to work program. If at any point they still threaten you and tell you that they're going to cut you off, because you're not participating in this graduate return to work program, give us a shout right away. Absolutely, this is not a case that, that you should lose. This is not something the insurance company should be doing. And they can't force you back to work if you can't go. Plain and simple. Yeah, so go ahead, what do you think? I was going to say, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything. There's a lot there that Albert was talking about. I think that the key thing here is that when somebody's in a situation where they're on long-term disability, there is really no reason I can think of a good reason to quit the job, their job. And, and I say this for the exact same reasons that Albert just did. I think that it actually makes your case a little bit more difficult with the insurance company. Uh, and, and it does that for a variety of reasons. Albert outlined them. And there is another thing here that Albert touched on that I really want to emphasize. You need to listen to your doctors. Oftentimes, insurance companies are going to try and compel you and force you and pressure you to do some kind of a rehabilitation program, uh, a work hardening program, a return to work program. And people, when they often contact us, they say, I'm being forced to go back to work and I'm not ready. Remember that the insurance company cannot force you. They can't come into your house, drag you out and take you to your workplace. What they can do and what they often do is they say, if you do not do this, if we are going to cut your benefits. We're going to say you're, you're not compliant with your policy, et cetera, et cetera. That is baloney. 
Okay? If you are following your doctor's advice and your doctor is saying you are not ready to go back, you're not ready for this return to work program, etc., etc., well, then you have every right to convey that to the adjuster and tell the adjuster, I am fulfilling my obligation under the policy. I'm following treatment recommendations from my doctor, from whoever's treating me, uh, but I am not going to put my health in jeopardy here. And I think this is what people are missing. They feel like they have no choice. You do have a choice. You have a choice to tell the insurance company that your health comes first. And that's what you should do because the reality is that if you don't do that and if you go back to work against medical advice, chances are you're going to crash and burn. And then it's going to be a lot more, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot worse for you. And, and so that's what people need to understand. You have that option. The insurance company cannot force you to go back to work. Yeah, it's fear. They're scared of the insurance company. It is company. fear. The, the big bad insurance company, right? And insurance companies understand this. They understand that they're yeah, playing on fear. They understand that you know they can be bullies, and, and they understand that people are in a very vulnerable position, uh, in a very vulnerable state, especially when you're dealing with mental health. That That's even more exacerbating. Incidentally, when we take over a claim, when a person is dealing with an insurance company, they're being cut off or forced to go back or whatever, and we take over the case, meaning we get retained to represent the individual. You know, one thing we talked about before, John, and I want to emphasize this, we take over all communications between uh, the insurance company and the right. individual. The person no longer gets phone calls or emails or letters from the insurance company. The insurance company must go through us. And so that in itself already gives peace of mind to individuals out there who are really struggling with trying to get back on track or trying to get better. Uh, and, and you know, it's funny, I, just a couple weeks ago, I was approached, um, I received an email from a psychologist out of, uh, of, of Ottawa, uh, in, in, in Ottawa, who actually asked me that exact question. He says, you know, I have somebody here who's having a very difficult time with the adjuster, the LTD adjuster, uh, and they've been told their benefits will end. Uh, if I tell that person to contact you, can you make the adjuster stop communicating with this person because it's just reversing everything that I'm doing to help this person. I said, absolutely. That's exactly that's exactly what we're here for, to help these people, to help individuals out there stand up to insurance companies. We are here to, to, to make sure that your rights, first of all, that you know what your rights are, and second of all, that you understand that you can actually force, you know, push back on the insurance company and force them to act the way they ought to act under the policy and under just just a general way that uh, you know that insurance companies are supposed to act. So very, very important to understand you do have rights. You need to understand your rights. And if you don't, the insurance company will continue to bully you. Your first point of contact, too, to reach out uh, is Savannah or Albert. Do yourself a favor and do exactly that. Either go to, uh, like we did there, mydisabilityquestions.com. You have the option of email as well, help at disabilityrights.ca. And uh, phone number, sure, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. So uh, you guys want to take a shot at something, or I got more coming in as well. Where do you want to go? You go ahead, John. <laughs> okay, uh, this one from Dave. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com, short and sweet. Dave says, guys, my insurance company wants me to apply uh, to to CPP for disability benefits to offset what they have to pay me per month. Uh, one of the forms I have to send uh, his consent to share information between CPP and uh, my insurer. The other form is uh, revocable consent to withhold and pay the insurer. What does this mean? I think what he's trying to say, it's a bit of a convoluted note, but they want yep. to apply for CPP so they get the benefit from it. The insurance company, right? Yeah, and we get this all the time. Albert yep. gets this, I get In fact, we have a memo on that website we mentioned at the outset of the show, ltdfaq.ca, that deals right. with CPP disability. So it's very common, very, very common for insurance companies to ask you to apply for CPP disability. And frankly, when I speak with someone, we get retained, 
to help them with a denial or a cutoff or just dealing with the insurance company, we tell people, apply for CPP disability. There is a variety of reasons to do that. Uh, but, you know, in terms of, of what Dave is asking here, he, he's emailing us from Vancouver. He says, uh, you know, the insurance company wants me to sign these forms. Once you sign those forms, um, whatever the forms are that they're that they're asking you to sign, uh, they essentially want to ensure the insurance company wants to ensure that if you get approved, you are going to be paid most likely some kind of a retroactive sum of money because it looks backwards in time, and and the insurance company is going to want credit for that. They're going to want you to fork over that money if that period of time for which you're getting that CPP disability coincides uh, or overlaps with the time that you were receiving LTD. Because again, the LTD insurer is entitled to a credit for anything you get from CPP. So that's going backwards in time. But now going forwards in time, if you start getting CPP disability payments on a monthly basis, the insurance company again wants to know what that amount is because they're going to reduce your monthly LTD amounts by that amount. So again, John, the usual question we get from people is, well, why is that that we have to do that? Well, we have to do, you have to do that because, you know, generally policies contain a provision that specify that the insurance company is entitled to this credit. Uh, but, you know, there's a historical reasons here. Many, many years ago, we had, you know, Terry Cochran uh, on, on the show uh, a, a while back. I think we explained sort of that there was, there was a history there between the government and insurance companies. There was a deal that, uh, they, they, they came up with. Uh, and, and, and essentially, the idea is that uh, if an individual is disabled and is getting CPP disability, the insurance companies are entitled to that credit. And, and I get people who are militant all the time who are saying that's just not right. And I tell them, yeah, but that's just what the law says, right? We are here to explain what the law is and to help you deal with your insurance company. But, you know, we can't change that. Only government can change that. Let's take a quick break, guys. Got more to come in, and uh, you want to send something along, we'll get to it either uh, for the rest of this show or another show, or they will answer you on the on the outside as well. But the phone number anytime for Albert or Savannah is one 821 5900 For more of a private, lengthy conversation, help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address, and we've read a couple so far. Again, this one you can use free, anonymous, mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll continue Disability Law Show. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back. Thanks for hanging on. Disability Law Show. John Scholes here along with co-founding partner Savan Tamarkin and partner Albert Klein as well. Reaching out, you want to talk to the guys or a member of the team? Uh, you can. No problem. You're invited to. one 821 5900 Help at disabilityrights.ca. And information, knowledge, questions you may have about LTD, whether it's personal or on behalf of someone else or uh, something that just crossed your mind while listening to the show. LTD. FAQ.ca. Again, another website built for you to use and uh, and learn more. It's always good to learn more about this stuff, right? But we'd left the last segment, guys, talking about CPP disability and the insurance company saying you got to apply for it because they get a credit for it, but then not a bad thing because then you got an income stream. And as you as you mentioned several times, uh, Savannah and Albert, you have as well that um, arguably a tougher test. So if CPP says you're good to go, then the insurance company really has fewer legs to stand on when it comes to cutting you off and saying you don't. But Albert, I know you had something to add before we uh, went to a break, but we're back. So uh, take it away, pal. Yeah, thanks, John. So actually on one of my one of my files, which 
as the second that we got involved, actually, the insurance company contacted me. Uh, it was it was a lawyer that I've worked with many, many times, and they basically said, "Look, off the record, I think we actually made a wrong decision." And probably within a month or so, they actually put my client back on claim, which was which was pretty remarkable. Uh, fast forward, let's say six months, eight months, and I just got an email from my client, basically saying that the insurance company is asking her to sign some of these authorizations that we just spoke about. One other authorization, which is kind of new and I haven't really seen before, is that the insurance company wants her to authorize, authorize them to, on, on her behalf, fight any appeals for CPP disability. So basically, they want her to authorize, her, uh, authorize them to actually appeal the CBP denial if she ends up being denied. And of course, why do they want this? Because they want to make sure that if she is denied, that she actually puts in an appeal and she she's hopefully approved. And why do they want that? Because if, if she's approved, then of course they get the credit for it. And that's always the motivation, right? I mean, they're trying to get, uh, get any claimant to access as many, as many other funds or as much other money that they can so that they have to pay that insured as little money as possible. And so I, I, I kind of found that pretty interesting. So I actually told my client, hey, yes, you should sign this. A, what that means is you're going to have someone who for free is going to fight your CPP disability claim. I know many law firms will charge uh, three to $5,000 just to fight any appeal, and there's no guarantee of success. And in this instance, you're going to have an insurance company who is really trying their best to make sure that you get approved. But more importantly, it actually puts the insurance company in a bit of a weird position here. And I don't know if they've really thought about this here, but essentially what they're doing is they're going to be in a position where they have to now fight this appeal because uh, because you've now signed this authorization and it's in their motivation or it's in their best interest to actually do that. But... By fighting this appeal, they're essentially agreeing that they think that you will meet the CPP test for disability. And the CPP test for disability is that you have a severe and a prolonged disability. So essentially, the insurance company is now agreeing that my client has a severe and prolonged disability. Good luck cutting her off after you've already said that, right? And so I just found it very interesting. I mean, I haven't seen these authorizations very many times, but uh, I, I actually told my client to sign in and I said, look, I think they're putting themselves in a very, very tough position and they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. They're not going to be able to cut you off down the road if they've now paid money to have someone argue that you have a severe and prolonged disability. Good luck telling that to a judge. I actually haven't seen uh, an authorization like that, but I have seen people have contacted me with insurance companies telling them that that's what they want to do. So, uh, so Albert, I, 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 I've actually encountered this myself and I thought that was quite interesting for the insurance company who is on the one hand, uh, on, on, on the one hand, uh, you know, telling the person that they may be cut off because they don't believe that they're disabled. On the other hand, they're telling them, well, we want you to apply for CPP disability. And if you get denied, we're going to pay for someone on the outside to help you get CPP disability. It's, I think it's just, they're not thinking about the contradiction there. And, uh, in my mind, actually, that's a potential claim for bad faith against the insurance company for cutting the person off, uh, on the basis that they're not disabled, while on the other hand saying, we're going to fight CPP disability to say that you are disabled. It, it's nonsensical. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I agree. Yeah.
But you know, John, that's uh, it's par for the course for us, where we see something here that uh, happens time and time again. And th this is actually interesting. Before I read the next email and get Albert's thoughts on it, I'll tell you this. One of the things that we enjoy a lot doing is uh -huh. when a person comes to us and, and they've been treated unfairly and unjustly, they've been denied their disability benefits or cut off, uh, when we get involved and we start a legal claim, we start a certain legal process that entitles us to demand from the insurance company a copy of their file. And then when the insurance company forks over their file and we start looking through it, literally looking through you know, the, the notes and records of the adjusters and any experts that they've uh, spoken to and retained, anything in writing, we start seeing the guts of their decision-making process. And oftentimes, it's just a mess. Yeah. You know, people people out there, you apply for insurance, you have a claim, you assume that things are being dealt with properly, correctly, in good faith. But remember, you're dealing with human beings. These adjusters are human beings. Oftentimes, they're overwhelmed. They're oftentimes handling, you know, more than 100 cases at any given point. They have deadlines to meet. You know, it's just like anyone else. They are overwhelmed, and so they make mistakes. When we yeah. get their file and we go through that file and we start looking and picking up on all these mistakes, that's how we build the case against the insurance company. You as an individual dealing with your insurer can't actually do that. You can't do that because if you were to just ask the insurance company for their file, they're going to laugh in your face. The only time that they have to give you the file or give us the file is if we start that legal process because, again, once we start the legal process, the legal uh, mechanism, there are rules, procedural rules that have to be followed by the insurance company and by us. And part of those rules are providing documentation to either side. We're going to provide them with documentation on your behalf, like medical records. They have to provide us their records, which is their file. And so that's something that gives us a lot of leverage over them. That's something most people don't understand or don't know. That's one of the reasons why we're able to exert so much pressure on these insurance companies to pay our clients what they're owed. Lots more to go through, guys, but we got to take a short break. And here's some contact information uh, for yourself or otherwise to reach out by phone toll-free. Always 1-855-821-5900. Email address we go to, help at disabilityrights.ca. I want to mention mydisabilityquestions.com, a free place to ask your questions. It's anonymous. It's got a searchable database as well, saving you some time. And also disabilityrights.ca, a drop-down menu, the media tab there, and you can find sources in uh, old episodes and current ones of our uh, TV show as well, the Disability Law Show on TV, so you can check that out. But we got more to go. We'll take a break and come back with more right here, Disability Law Show. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along. Few minutes to go, so let's take uh, let's take full advantage of the remaining time, guys. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Any other questions? And always learn more as well. Go to ltdfaq.ca. Savannah, take it away. What else we got? Okay, Albert, uh, I'm going to read something that was posted on mydisabilityquestions.com and uh, see what your thoughts are. This comes from uh, Valerie in Toronto. She's watched our program on TV and she decided to just put in this question. So she says, I'm terminated from my employment and I'm in the, in the process of applying for short-term disability. I called the insurance company and I was told that I have to apply for short-term disability and then for LTD. 
the problem is that my uh, LTD and STD benefits will be cut off during my salary continuance. And my employer said that they offset any money I get for LTD. Do I have any rights? I, I've worked for 20 years with this employer. Lots to unpack there. What do you think? I mean, first things first, you, ca you can't always just assume that, uh, that, there, that there's a credit uh, for salary continuance, right? And that, and that you don't get short-term or long-term disability just because you're getting salary continuance or you're getting severance. So, I mean, first things first, always the analysis is to look at the policy. What does the policy actually say? Because really the policy is the, po is, the, is the contract that exists between you, the long-term disability insured or the claimant, and the insurance company. And so what I would want to do is I would want to look at the policy immediately and see what provisions actually say, uh, pertain to salary continuance or pertain to what sort of credit an insurance company might get. Because it's not in every single case that an insurance company gets a credit just because you're receiving severance or just because you're receiving salary continuance. In fact, there is some case law out there, and it's a bit of a it's, it's a bit of a divided issue. I mean, insurance companies will say that they are entitled to a credit. I've often argued that insurance companies aren't entitled to a credit depending on the policy, but there is some case law to support that it's not in every single case that an insurance company should get a credit. So, I mean, first things first, you always want to look at the policy and, and make a determination as to whether or not the insurance company should get that credit. And of course, many people don't really know even where to start when they do look at a policy, so that's why you should call us. Give us a call. We'll do it free of charge. I'm happy to just quickly look at your policy any single time and, and tell you whether or not the insurance company is entitled to that credit. Uh, but otherwise, there's no, there's no possibility or there's no situation that re just receiving salary continuance is going to indefinitely mean that you're not entitled to long-term disability or you're not entitled to uh, short-term disability. So you, you want to make sure that at a very minimum, the insurance company is only getting a credit for what you actually receive and for what time period that you actually receive it. So let's say you get salary continuance for three months. Well, then you should only not get short or long-term disability for that three-month period maximum. You don't want to, you don't want to all of a sudden agree to not, uh, not get short or long-term disability. So in your case, you want to make sure that you're, you're applying for long-term disability right away. Sometimes there's time frames in which you actually have to apply for long-term disability by. And make sure that you get in that application because just because you are receiving salary continuance doesn't mean that you're disentitled to disability benefits. Um, anything to add, Sven? Yeah, um, I, I agree with you on the salary continuance aspect. But what's interesting to me here is that this person has been let go or is being let go from their job. And remember that if you are disabled... Uh, and this person clearly is, they're applying for short-term and then long-term disability, and then you're being let go from your job, you potentially are also entitled to human rights damages. Again, our employment lawyers deal with those kinds of issues. Uh, but many people, John, end up getting let go or fired from their jobs because they are disabled in one way or another. It could be mental health issues, could be physical issues, or a combination of both, yeah. an illness, something. And what happens is many people just feel very proud and they don't want to access short-term disability or long-term disability and and what happens is that uh, they they are unable to work slowly and gradually they start decreasing their hours or they're having more limitations until such time as the employer you know basically takes the axe and, and the employer is not allowed to do that under our human rights laws but what people ought to be doing 
I think it's better, again, being proactive is, yes, put your pride aside. This is why you have short-term disability and long-term disability, whether you bought it privately or whether you have those policies as part of your health benefits plan through work. If you are unable to work or you feel that your ability to work is being degraded for whatever reason, mental health issues, physical issues, whatever the issues, and we've seen this a lot now in the last year and a half plus because of COVID, you should access your short-term and or long-term disability plans. That's what they're there for. These insurance companies got paid. And if you get denied, that's when we step in. But maybe you won't get denied and maybe you'll be able to go on that uh, disability plan that safety net, get better, and then get back on the horse, go back to work. Guys, you want to reach out to 1-855-821-5900. Again, you can go to help at disabilityrights.ca or mydisabilityquestions.com. we got uh, literally a couple minutes left. Savannah, take us home. What do you want people to know? And, I mean, I guess we could talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the ongoing problems with COVID-19 and the pandemic because people are still still suffering and still calling you every day, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, they are, absolutely. And there's so many issues. We, we have the COVID long haulers, people who are now suffering from these debilitating right, right. effects from COVID months and months later, who are being denied uh, legitimate LTD applications and claims. And so we're helping those individuals. But, you know, there's other things too, people who are suffering because of the isolation, because of the yo-yo of the government, right? Not that I'm blaming the government necessarily, but, you know, lockdowns, no lockdowns, uh, uh, vaccines, uh, you know, uh, everything that's intertwined in that it creates a significant amount of stress. If you have access to short-term or long-term disability coverage uh, through work or privately, apply for it if you need it, if your doctors are backing you up. If you get denied, if you're legitimately disabled, your doctors are saying you need time off work and you get denied, don't simply take it. You have rights under our legal systems. Insurance companies are not above the law as much as they want you to think that they may that they may be. Uh, and, you know, get the information you need. And, and by the way, John, a lot of times people come to us not because they've heard us on the radio or have seen us on TV. It's because people who have been listening to us have told them about us. They've put them in, 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 in touch with us. Yeah. So, you know, we give out this information week in and week out for free. We speak for, you know, with people about these long-term disability issues across the country, not just in, even in just in the three provinces we operate in, Alberta, BC, and Ontario, but all over. The key is to be empowered to have the information you need. And if you need help, give us a call, email us, go on to mydisabilityquestions.com. Just get the information you need and let others, others that you know that need this information, know where to get it. Good way to wrap it for another week, guys. You want to reach out to Albert, to Savan, or otherwise their team. It's simple. I've given the phone number out a bunch of times, so keep it with you. You can get off the website, of course, as well, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. Several times we've gone to mydisabilityquestions.com, free, anonymous website. You can ask your questions there. And it's always worth learning more as well, ltdfaq.ca, ltdfaq.ca for lots more. And reach out before you do all that reach out to Zavan or Albert and their team and uh, just get educated right before you move forward we'll catch you next time on the disability law show the preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio 640 toronto